1: Hey, I'm Roberta Blevins and this is Life After MLM, a podcast where we worked end the stigma of failure in an industry systemically designed for you to fail. Join us as we dive into the real life stories of survivors, experts, and advocates to debunk the common myths and fallacies of cults, scams, and multi-level marketing. I'm of Levins, and this is Life After MLM, a podcast where we worked end the stigma of failure in an industry systemically designed for you to fail. Join us as we dive into the real-life stories of survivors, experts, and advocates to debunk the common myths and fallacies of cults, scams, and multi-level marketing. Hey, HuntBots and hunbros. It is the first week back to school since we had vacation. I don't know why my daughter got three weeks off this, this past year, but she did. Um, and so this week has been sort of like shuffling to get back into the normal schedule, getting up early again, having to make lunch and all of that stuff, you know, after having three weeks off. So I've been dragging my feet a little bit this week. I apologize. <laughs> it's it was just, it's a lot. It's just a lot. All the parents are like, I get you, girl. I get it. I get it. So yeah, we have this episode today. It's a really good episode. There are some laughs and it is a fun episode, but we do talk about a heavy topic. And so I wanted to give a uh, content warning. Um, there's quite a few content warnings on this episode just because the topic is so heavy. But today we are going to be talking about infertility and sort of the ways that MLMs um, take advantage of those who are vulnerable to infertility and um, child loss. And so we talk about a couple of different things, including like explanations of medical procedures and miscarriage. There's some fat phobia, toxic diet culture, you know, uh, quite a bit of heavy topics. So if these are triggering to you, maybe proceed with caution or skip this one this time. Uh, but I just wanted to give you a heads up. Also, um, if you notice uh, a slight hum, I know some of you guys are a little more susceptible to background noise. There is a slight hum in this episode. It was a lot worse. I had to learn another editing technique. Ta-da! I learned how to use a notch filter. People that work with editing sound are like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yes, <laughs> but I learned how to use a notch filter, uh, and essentially it just sort of dampens noises at certain frequencies, and I played around until the hum was the least annoying it could be, and it's there a little bit, but I do apologize, but I'm getting better, you know, I'm learning, <laughs> and uh, yeah, I felt like that was a win for me, so I wanted to share it with you guys. I also want to say thank you to our new Patreon members this week. Katie, Rachel Harmon, and Jamie Gerhardt. Thank you so much. Uh, I also want to give everybody a heads up that this coming week on the Patreon, if you are listening in real time, Monday, January 16th, of 2023, we are going to be having an AMA on the Patreon with last week's guest, Layla Touche, and we are going to be talking about ADHD and autism spectrum and So we're really just going to dive more into that topic with her live on the Patreon. I know a lot of you messaged me saying that that episode really hit home and you really liked it and you wanted to get in touch with Layla. Um, If you're interested, this would be a great introduction to joining the Patreon, even if you just wanted to come for this month only. Tiers start at $5 and, uh, you know, you get everything early, ad-free, and you get AMAs and chats. We also did uh, the holiday magic face exercise. Oh my gosh, the holiday magic face exercises. That was the most embarrassing thing ever. Um, I did make a little bit of holiday magic record content on TikTok and Instagram. If you guys saw that, I will be making a little bit more of that. But the entire first reaction of me listening to the entire record, both of those videos are on Patreon as bonuses, if you are so inclined. to watch it. Um, again, little bonuses. I'm trying to add more uh, value to the Patreon this year and make it more of a priority with the show. So yeah, as, uh, as I'm able to create more content, that is where I am putting it. And I really appreciate everybody's support and allowing me to um, begin to really make this show uh, my full-time gig. And I'm really excited. You guys are awesome. So Thank you so much and enjoy this episode. Welcome back to another episode of Life After MLM. I'm really excited today. We're going to be talking about a pretty deep um, subject. So this is a secondary content warning that what we will be talking about today deals with infertility and um, the struggle of going through an infertility journey and how MLM's take advantage of that struggle. So I would love so much to welcome to the show, Hayden Maheno. Welcome. How are you?
2: I'm great. How are you, Roberta?
1: I'm a little flustered this morning. I'm going to edit all the stuff out that you guys aren't even listening to. You're not even going to hear it, but that was probably the hardest intro for me to get through. I don't know why. I'm so excited to talk to you. I, I really am. This is a topic that I have wanted to cover. It is a topic that I don't really have any experience in. I definitely have empathy for the struggles of people that go through pregnancy loss and infertility. Um, But I'm, I'm one of the lucky ones. And so I did not have the same journey as you. And I think there's a lot of people listening that are in the same boat that I am in that just don't understand, have never had to go down that journey. Don't know what is involved. And so today we're going to have Hayden sort of take us down this journey so, like I said, content warning about these things. It might get a little heavy and uh, real, and, and we're going to talk about this. So, let's let's start off in the beginning. Hayden, where were you in your life? What was this infertility? How did you guys even get started? And uh, let's tell that journey. And and when your MLM, Kiani, shows up, we'll we'll deal with them then.
2: Okay. So, um, my infertility journey started. Um, a little bit sooner than I even really knew it started, to be honest. So I got married really young. I got married at 18, which I live in Utah. And so that is kind of common, even though we, we're not LDS, we're not um, religious at all. We just got married really young. We're high school sweethearts and we got married young. We thought we were ready for that. And so we did. Later on, uh, you know, nothing really happened with me getting pregnant and i ended up going to a doctor when i was about 20 and figuring out i had pcos which is polycystic ovarian syndrome it all made sense once i had that diagnosis because um i mean you've already given a content warning but i'm going to get a little bit personal you know my cycles were really irregular and i had really heavy bleeding and i just had a lot of really bad side effects and from there I went after I got that diagnosis. The thing that they like to do with PCOS is they say, Do you want to get pregnant right now or no? And usually, if you say no, they give you birth control, and that's what you're on. That's kind of the cure for it. And if you say you do want to get pregnant, then they're going to either help you learn how to track your cycles and get pregnant naturally, try that a few times. If that doesn't work, they're going to introduce some type of ovulation medicine. So with PCOS, You don't ovulate regularly, like most women who have it. So there's two different types of medication that your OB will prescribe you for that, Clomid or Fremara. And there's generic names for it, but those are just the ones I'm going to use. So you'll do those for a little while um, and then try to get pregnant. And they don't like to do those a lot. From my understanding with it is that it stimulates your ovaries. And so it can make them enlarge and get really big. And that can be not great. So they don't like to do it too much and they don't like to up your dose too high. And they like to kind of keep, keep an eye on you while doing that. And it's not super invasive or anything. And there's really no bad side effects with it. So I did that for a little while when I was younger and nothing happened. And I, I also thought, you know, I'm young, maybe I'm it's okay to wait. Like it's not really a big deal. So I just waited and we, we did that for a little while and then waited I ended up at some point going back and they said, well, you've tried these and you haven't had a pregnancy yet. So let's refer you to a fertility specialist. So I ended up going to a fertility specialist and it's one that's really well known here in Utah. And I did an injectable round of treatment with them and didn't get pregnant. I only did one round with the f- fertility specialist, but even when you're just doing the first thing that they'll offer you to do there, it is so time consuming. And not only is it time-consuming, it's expensive. And you hear about IVF being expensive and everything else. So even with fertility treatments, even if you're not doing IVF, it's still expensive and time-consuming. So you have to go for a baseline ultrasound. Like I was going five times a week. And so you're going in for an ultrasound every week and like multiple times a week. And it's transvaginal ultrasounds too. So it's not like you're just going in and they're, able to you know put something on your belly and check that out
1: um wow it's a lot
2: so yes
1: I had I had to have that done because I have cysts on one of my ovaries and if you guys have never had one it's not real comfortable it's a big old camera Mm -mm. that uh that is the biggest one I've ever seen and it's it's uh it goes right up in there right up in there multiple times a week really it's not
2: multiple times because they want to get a baseline to see how thick your uterine wall is because that really matters it's so crazy because you know schools teach you all the time if you kiss you will get pregnant if you do this you will get pregnant and they're so anti-pregnancy that you think it's going to happen super easy and then when you're trying to get pregnant you realize how much goes into it and how crazy and scientific and how it is timing is everything with it and it's so insane They want to make sure that everything just looks just right. Anyways, I did one treatment with that and we ended up just buying our new home. And so I thought, I'm going to give this a break. I'm going to give it a little break. I'm going to enjoy my new house and I'm just going to focus on me. I've been really into this. and I'm just going to take some time. And I've noticed that is really common with infertility is you take breaks. You kind of have to for your sanity. And I know there are people who continuously try for years and years and years. I couldn't. I needed to take a break. So I took a break for a little bit. Was it last year? Last year, I ended up finding a doctor because I I know I have PCOS, but I have really debilitating cramps. And for some reason, I thought that's normal because I've always heard that. It's like, oh, you have cramps. Welcome to womanhood. So finally, I decided that I was going to find a different OB. And I went through probably five different doctors trying to find one that would listen. Every doctor I would go to would say either lose weight because you have PCOS, so lose 10% of your body weight, get on birth control, or that's it, really. Those are your two options. And I was like, I'm not taking that for an answer. My friend recommended me to a doctor who she had went to because she had had some issues with her cycles and having really bad periods as well. So I visited him, and I was thinking this isn't gonna work. Like it's gonna be the same song and dance, and it's so frustrating and After you've been medically gaslighted for so long, you kind of just start thinking, oh, I'm making this up. I'm crazy. I'm making this up. So I went to this doctor and he said, well, by the sounds of it, it sounds like you might have endometriosis. So what I want to do is I want to schedule a surgery where we're going to go in. It's a laparoscopic surgery, and we're going to see if that's what you have. While I'm in there, we're going to do, it's kind of an older surgery, and it's for PCOS. So they go in and they drill slits in your ovaries. And that makes it so that your ovaries can naturally uh release these hormones that make you ovulate which is so weird and i was like let's do it i'm i'm game so he scheduled me for surgery like two weeks later which was so crazy that he was able to get it done that soon lo and behold i have endometriosis and so he went in burnt some of that off scraped it off whatever they do drilled the holes in my ovaries and I felt so much better after the following months because I didn't have as much pain and I felt better. And I think with my hormones being regulated a little bit more, I just, I felt more human and I didn't feel as bogged down and just crummy. So he did that. And I ended up getting pregnant the end of July. And it was a total shock because by this time, me and my husband have been married for 10 years and I've I've never seen a positive pregnancy test. It was like, there's no way. It was so exciting. I was so excited for about 10 seconds. And then instantly my anxiety is like, what's going to happen? What's going to go wrong? Something bad's going to happen. And I didn't really let myself fully enjoy it because I just had a really bad feeling. And I went in to go get my blood work done so they could check my beta levels to make sure that they were doubling over time and everything was good. They were super low the whole time. They would barely double. So they were really low. They kind of prepared me like if they're not doubling more, then... It's not growing, you know, something's wrong. So I ended up just kind of waiting it out. And that's what's so hard with early pregnancy. Anybody who hasn't even probably struggled with infertility and has just been pregnant knows that's such a long wait for your eight week appointment. It seems like forever just to go and have that peace of mind that, okay, everything's good. And so I was just waiting for that. And it felt like an eternity in the end of August on my husband's birthday, I ended up miscarrying. So I ended up bleeding really bad. I ended up going to the emergency room because the doctor recommended I do that. And I ended up having a miscarriage. It was the hardest thing I've ever been through. And I know so many people go through that. But that's not comforting to me because it makes me feel even worse that more people have felt like I have. And so it was really, really hard. And I just thought, I can't keep doing this. Like I have to, I have to take a break and I have to get myself right. And thank God for therapy because I wasn't, I was seeing a therapist even before this happened. And I am so happy that I had that resource because it's so, it was, I told people really early when I was pregnant because we were so excited. And so I told people really early and then I felt this immense sense of guilt and shame and embarrassment. And everyone would say, well, it's not your fault. And I would say, oh, I know it's not my fault that I miscarried. That's not why I'm embarrassed. I'm embarrassed that I, I just felt like I had let everyone down. I felt like my husband's has a really big family and they, a lot of his brothers are, his brothers younger than him and has a kid. And they, his older sisters have kids and his parents love being grandparents. And I was super excited to give them a grandkid and wasn't able to, and So excited for my parents to experience that. And my grandma and my aunt, just, you know, my whole family, I was super excited for that to be the case and it wasn't. And so it was super hard for me. And then not only was that hard, but just, you feel so just, it's unfair. You go through this whole thing. You go through every stage of grief 25 times a day, and it's just so unfair. And it was super hard. So that happened and I decided I'm going to take a break. I'm going to take a long
1: break, right? I could imagine wanting to take a break after that. I'm so sorry for your loss. I'm so sorry that you had to go through Thank
2: that.
1: You. I'm sure there's a lot of people listening who also have been through that and definitely are relating to you in this moment. So I, I want to say, I know that it's hard and I, I just want to tell you that we're with you and, um, and you're not alone in this one either. And you know what, what you said about, when people are like, well, it happens to others and it, you know, like it it was meant to be or whatever, you know, I, I know there's probably every single one of us have said something like that to somebody in a time of loss, thinking that we're giving them a little bit of hope with these platitudinous cliches of loss. And I think mostly what we really want to hear when we're in pain is I love you. It's going to be okay. I'm here for you. If you need me, That must be very hard for you. Like I said, I've never gone through an infertility journey, and so this is all new to me, all of this information, but just just hearing everything you had to go through to get that and how excited you were, I, I, I'm so sorry for your loss.
2: Thank you, and I, I am really happy that you brought that up about people say things because And I learned this with my, with my miscarriage is people say things because they love you and they're trying to give you comfort. And a lot of times the things that they say, they don't even realize how hurtful that can be. And I have such a hard time with myself because I'm always playing devil's advocate for other people in my head constantly. Someone says something to hurt my feelings and I'm going, oh, they didn't mean that. This is what they meant. But really it's like, why can't I just let that, why can't I say that hurt me? that hurt me. I'm going to process that. And if it's that bad, I should be able to say that hurt me, but I don't. And I just, I let it kind of eat at me. And I hate that I'm like that and really working on that, but people will often say, well, thank God it was early. Thank God you miscarried early. And I understand what they're saying, but that doesn't make it any easier. It doesn't. And oh, you can always try again, which that might be the case for somebody, but it took me 10 years to get pregnant. You know, like, I mean, I wasn't actively trying for 10 years, but I've been with my husband for 10 years. There's been no form of birth control. It took us 10 years. So one pregnancy in 10 years at the rate I'm going at, I'm happy. I'm I'm young, you know, and I know that I can still try in my forties. Like it's going to be, I still have plenty of time, but it's, that's not comforting. All that you need to hear is I'm so sorry. I'm here for you. And that's what I would love people to know is I'm a problem. I like to fix problems. I like to be a problem solver with anything, big and small. I like to try to help people I love. And this has taught me that sometimes you don't have to do that. Sometimes all you have to say is I'm here for you and I love you. That's it. I'm happy that you said that. After the miscarriage, I took a, I had to take a long break. I ended up going back to the doctor who I was prescribed the medicine to. And he said, well, I hate to tell you this, but good news. We know you can get pregnant now. So let's try this medicine again. And let's see what we're only going to put you on it for four months. If it doesn't work, you need to go to a fertility clinic. So speed up time, four months passes. I haven't got pregnant. So I start looking into fertility clinics. The one that I went to in the past is great. They have a really good reputation. They have great doctors, never heard anything, but great things about them. Right. But they're 45 minutes away from my house. And so when you're driving every day, to go and get an ultrasound and driving back, that's a long drive, especially in traffic that's around in that area. It just, it's a lot of commitment. So I knew that there was a new clinic. Well, they've been open for a little while. It's 10 minutes away from my house, which I'm like, oh my gosh, this is meant to be. This is a fertility clinic for me. I also follow a Facebook group for people in my area that are going through fertility treatments. And they just kind of talk about the process and what they're going through. It's kind of like a little support thing. And no one really mentions that fertility clinic. So I searched it on that group and it was like hit or miss with the reviews. A lot of people were like, why are the treatments so cheap compared to other places? And a lot of people were saying, oh, it's probably because the medication isn't included, which they do that a lot. And the medication is expensive for that. I start looking into that place a little bit more trying to figure out, because some people were saying like, don't go there. The doctor's not great. He's condescending. He's really rude to people that reside in larger bodies and people with PCOS. And that's already hard, like I said before, with PCOS is anything that happens to you with PCOS and if your BMI is over a certain amount, they're going, lose weight. You go in with a broken toe, you need to lose weight. And it's so frustrating. And I learned something. I've been really into looking into uh, intuitive eating and not being a part of the diet culture and all of that. And I learned to say when people say that to you, a pro- health professional says that to you, ask them, well, what would you recommend for somebody who doesn't reside in a larger body? What would you recommend for them to see what their answer would be? Right. And so that's something oh, I was kind of like, wanting... right. Cause it's true. Cause if you were to go in and they say, oh, well we can do this for you, but we recommend that you lose weight. Okay. Well, I know weight's not an issue. So what are you going to tell me? What would you tell me if I was 30 pounds lighter and then see what they say? And so I I just think that's interesting because I don't know, weight doesn't equal health. And I, I don't care what, who that offends or who that gets mad. I I really don't want to be a part of that because everything else besides my PCOS, that's a hormonal condition and my endometriosis, I'm, I'm good. You know, everything else is great. My blood, my pressure, my blood sugar, my cholesterol, everything's good. So anyways, that was a tangent, but So I start looking into that fertility clinic a little, and I kind of flip through the, they have the pricing, which is kind of like MLM's do, which is like vague, you know, like come ask us. And so I look into it and I'm like, wow, that is pretty affordable. I mean, compared to other places, that's really weird. I ended up looking into it a little bit, just, I did it, you know, one night laying in bed. And then the next day I thought, I need to look at that again. Something was just calling me to look at it. I went back on their website and I was looking and under, there's a tab that says recommended nutrition. And I click on that and underneath it, it says nitro program and 21 day reset. And I instantly had a a like lightning bolt in my head that I was like, there's no way there is absolutely no way. And I click on it and sure enough, it takes me to Kayani's website with a big old picture of Mark McDonald coaching you for success. And I, I don't know why, but it's like when you get really bad news and your heart like sinks to your butt, that's the feeling I got just an instant punch to the gut. And I was like, you've got to be kidding me.
1: So you're going through this struggle. You're like, oh my gosh, 45 minutes. This is so long. It's way too long. And then you go, oh wait, there's a place right down the street. They're super duper affordable. This is meant to be, this is amazing. And then you look on their website And you're like, wait a second, red flag. Wait a second, red flag. How many clicks? And you find them in like three
2: clicks. It was so crazy to me because I was like, this is my life. I think like, oh, this is so great. And I'm so excited. And then just, nope, I I could not believe it. So as soon as I saw that, I was like, I don't even know what to do. I screenshot it the second I saw it and I messaged Roberta because I'm like, she is the only one who I can talk to about this and is going to go, what the hell? She's going to have the same reaction I did. And I'm so happy that I did. Right. So
1: let's put ourselves, everyone that's listening into, into the mindset of, of being someone who's struggling through a fertility journey that we just heard about. And we don't even know all of the stuff because we haven't even gotten to like what it takes to do IVF and all these things at these fertility clinics. Anyway, it's incredibly expensive. You were telling me before we hit record, there's all different kinds of things you have to get to before you even get to go to IVF, which is literally the only thing that most non-fertility people would know or go, oh yeah, I've heard of that. Uh, and so you're, you're looking for a clinic, the right. doctors, all the doctors you've gone to, you have endometriosis, you have PCOS. The things we're doing are kind of working. We're getting the proof that you are able to be pregnant. We are getting the proof that this is working and let's keep going. But we think you should see a fertility specialist. We are the experts. We are the doctors. We are the ones you trust. And we are saying, which is totally normal, to go see someone who is an expert in this. And so you as someone who is in the middle of this journey and really does not have the time to stress about all the other things, because, Hey, these are experts. These are the people that should be taking care of us. These are the people that know what is up. They should not be scamming us. And you look into a fertility clinic and they're hawking an MLM Kiani, which we've talked about before in Dina's episode, like over a year ago and how disgusting this company is, how it's all about that, what that white Jeep or whatever. And it's all about sending the potato packs overseas for the white savior guilt and all of this stuff. The fact that this person, and you know, it's not Kiani; it's whoever is the, the hun that signed up and is like, I'm going to piggyback this on my fertility clinic because I live in fat phobia, toxic diet culture. And I believe that weight is the reason that nobody can get pregnant. If that was true, you would never see people in larger bodies pregnant even once. What these companies are saying, believing pushing and then slapping the word expert on there and saying, Oh, whatever you go on this website. Cause you send me these screenshots, this nitro nutrition, this Mark McDonald, who I've never even heard of in my entire life, but apparently he's a world renowned nutrition and fitness expert world renowned expert that right there. Just those words that dog whistle that takes away every single bit of hesitation, fear uh, unknown that I have. Oh, he's a world renowned expert. Okay. I'm going to trust him and what he's selling you is nitro the number one program in the world in over 50 countries over 1 billion customers served worldwide you're at a fertility clinic you're selling a, a, a product that's has a, over a billion customers worldwide that does like that's that's weird to me the fact that this is happening that that we can't even that we can't even trust a fertility clinic in our probably one of the most down and sad and dark moments in our life when you're struggling through this, when you are feeling every shame, every guilt, every, this is my fault. This is, is it something I did when I was younger? Is it something that I did? Is it something that I ate? Is it whatever it is? And this is what you, this is what you're introduced to bullshit. It's disgusting. Why, how are, how are MLMers not seeing that this
2: isn't okay? I totally agree. And I know from, you know, your podcast, your content, anybody, any other anti MLM creators content that they prey on vulnerable people, right? That's one of the biggest issues that everybody has with MLMs is that they prey on, you know, stay at home moms and anybody, anybody who's in a vulnerable position, it doesn't matter what position you're in. They prey on that. They love to do that maybe I'm being biased, but I really can't think of anything more vulnerable than somebody who will do not like biologically, right? I can't imagine a more vulnerable place to be. And so that's why when I saw that, I just, I really was in disbelief because I've been listening to your podcast since the beginning and following you on Instagram and everyone else on Instagram that I followed one of the main things, the main focus is that MLMs are so predatory and that they focus on, they, they prey on vulnerable people. And I've always been like, yeah. And I've noticed it mostly with like stay at home moms in my area. That's what it is in my area is it stay at home moms who their husbands work and they're just at home with their kids. Like I said, I'm from Utah. So when you're 25, you have four kids. That's just the way it is. It's normal here. And so these, these women are looking for connection and they're looking for just to be a part of something more because they are, they're stay at home moms and they just, they want more, but they also, they can't work, you know, they can't work because they have four kids and it's too much to go through. And so they, they fall victim to that. And I, and there's so many other examples that we all know about of people who are, you know, preyed upon about it, but I really can't think of anything. Maybe I'm biased, but I can't think of anything more vulnerable than a couple who will do anything to biologically have a child of their own and will pay thousands of dollars to do this, go through so much treatment, go through so much time, money, energy, everything. It's so much to do that. And then people who are going to see that are going to do it. And the thing is, is it's not even about women who maybe have PCOS or even women who just reside in larger bodies that they're going to refer that to. I will bet anything that they will refer that to every customer they have, because you want good quality eggs, you want good quality embryos, you want good quality sperm, like you want all of that to be able to create a baby right so here you go here's some magical blueberry juice and that will help you like I'm sorry what.
1: Well, and then here's the other plot twist that nobody knows about. (laughs) How did you feel when you figured out it was Kiani? Because what what is it that everybody doesn't know about you and Kiani here?
2: Hi, guys. Um, So (laughs) I joined Kiani for a very, very, very brief period of time. I had to go back and look because I blocked it out, honestly, a little bit. I was in it for two months. So it was a very short time but I had heard about it for a while Uh, and how I got introduced to it was at my old job, which loved my old job. So much fun. I had the best coworkers, the best time, loved it. And I still can't say anything but great about the, my coworker who got me to sign up under him, love him to death. His family started doing Kayani and he told me about it. And I mean, like I said before, like five times i'm from utah and so mlm capital of the world right like so many if i drive to go to target i'm passing a huge young living building a doTERRA one a unique there used to be new skin so many and they're just they're everywhere here and so i've known about mlms but i've always known about mlms as the annoying girl from high school that is messaging you hey hun You know, like, that's just kind of all that I've really known. So when somebody really close to me, my coworker who I would see every day, he would talk about Kayani and it was never a product. It was always just the name. And for a second, I thought it was like a person. I was like, oh, Kayani was a person. Like, I don't know. Didn't really ask, you know? And then eventually he's like, oh, it's, it's these supplements. And at that time I was super into toxic diet culture, major I was on the keto diet, I was intermittent fasting and no no shade to anybody who does that. If you want to do it, I am so happy for you and I love you, good for you, right? But I was really into that and it I was really unhealthy for me because I was so, it was like a game to me. The number on the scale was a game to me. It wasn't that I was a person and I was trying to be healthy, it was that I was trying to get that number as low as I possibly could. And I was working out so much, we would go work out two hours a day and it was just, it was what we were doing. Right. And so I was really trying to be quote unquote healthy, but I wasn't taking care of myself really. So I was kind of looking into vitamins and stuff a little bit, you know, trying to kind of figure out what I should do for that. And my coworker suggested, well, do you want to try a sample of this stuff? And I was like, sure, why not? I don't care. So he gave me a sample of it and it's a a one day sample. So I'm not gonna notice anything with a
1: one-day sample,
2: right? One day sample. It was like one It's
1: it's literally just being like, Hey, did you want to try it? You're like, I would love to. He's like, here, have a sip. You're like,
2: what? Thank you. (laughs) So he gives me a sample and I'm like, oh, thank you. So what Kyani is is the triangle of health, which is so ironic. They really need to change the name. It's the triangle of health, which I didn't even connect it until like I was out. And then I was like, how did I not see that? So it's a like three part regimen. How it works is there's a sunrise, uh, nitro, and then a sunset. So the nitro drops, they have nitrous oxide, which is supposed to, I don't know the scientific to it, but it make
1: supposed you to make your- too fast, too furious. <laughs>
2: <laughs> That's what I would think. But like, it's supposed to make your blood flow faster so that all of these nutrients can get to where they need to go for optimal absorption right and i'm like let's have at it and then the uh so the sunrise it's like a rip and sit pouch and it's that magical blueberry juice that we've talked about so you do those drops and then you do your sunrise and then in the middle of the day if you need a little pick me up you just do the drops you just put the drops in and it's supposed to just get get you feeling good
1: so is it in like a dropper bottle and you just yeah. like, you just yeah. drop-
2: it looks like just a little drop, like a bottle that has like a drop on it and you do that. And then at night you do those drops and you take your sunset, which all the sunset is, is like fish oil. That's basically what it is. And that that's like the main selling point to it is that it's fish oil, but it's supposed to help you sleep. I, I tried it and I was like, eh, I didn't really notice anything. And then my coworker was like, hey, did you notice anything with those? And I was like, no, not really. Cause it was a one-time think. Well, I had another coworker that signed up under him and she bought like the biggest package you could buy with it. So she had a ton of product and she asked me, do you want some more of those samples to try them? And I was like, sure. And I thought like, she'll probably give me like three of them. Right. She gave me like a whole box. Like it, I'm sure it was like a hundred dollars worth of product. Like it was a lot. And I didn't, I feel bad now looking back. because I'm like, oh my God, I took a lot of that from her. But she gave it to me and I was like, oh, I'll try it. So I tried it for a little while. And I remember like the fifth day I tried it, I went into work and I said something like, oh, I slept so good last night. Uh Uh-oh. Yeah, I should have never said that. (laughs) I probably slept really good because I was working out two hours a day and I was like having four net carbs a day. So, I was probably like passed out, you know, like I was sick. I don't know. And so I slept really good. So I said that, and he was like, Wait, what? And I was like, Yeah, I slept really good. And he was like, Do you think it's the kayani? And I was like, You know what? Maybe it is. I don't know. Like I said before, I feel like I've put so many disclaimers because I love him so much. I love him. I love his family. Nothing bad to say. And I almost felt bad coming on the podcast because I don't want to feel like I'm 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 mad at him. And like like it's been said before so many times, it's not the people. It's the MLM. It's not it's not anybody to do with that. And I've had to make that distinction of being so annoyed with these like hun bots and hun bros to know like, okay, it's not it's not their fault. You know, like I don't know. It's true. You know, and,
1: and that's another reason that I focus these episodes on the victims, right? I don't name right. it Kayani, Kayani, however you say that. I don't name it that. I, I, I don't even sometimes even put the company name even in the show notes because for me, it's not about the company. It's about the, the person and their story and what happened to them. And even though every single story is different, every single story is exactly the same as well. And I think it's really, really important that it is not the people. It is not these wonderful, amazing people that we meet all the time who just want a little extra money or just want to be quote unquote healthier or just want whatever it is that is lacking in their lives that they feel that this MLM is going to do for them, right? Like that is what MLMs do. That is the, the marketing of this is let's look like the perfect package that no one can say no to. We will give you and promise you everything that you want until you get in there and you, you realize what's going on. But that's the point, right? We're not here to bash people. We don't bash people. Some of the behaviors are a little uh, cringy and we'll bring it up, but for the most part, we really want to talk about the victims and what happened and the realities of what you're told, the, the way you're made to be felt, all of the things that happened, the real things that happened, because we see constantly on social media in the comments of any of any sort of criticism against MLM. Well, nobody forced you to do this. And you're like, but really you should listen to my show because uh, that's, that's a little bit of gray area.
2: Right. That's kind of how I got put onto it was that it was like, Hey, like it was almost like a joke. It was always like, Hayden, when are you going to do Kayani? When are you going to do Kayani? When are you going to be on my team? And, a big part of it was that we had got a new supervisor over our department and he was terrible. Like it was so toxic and it was bad. And so that was a really big driving point for us to get out of there. Right. Like that, that was, that was his selling point for it was I'm going to get out of here. I have to, I can't do this any longer, which I totally sympathized with. And I got that. I finally said, you know what, I'm not, I don't really want to be a distributor, but I'll buy product. I'll buy product from you because that will help, right? Like if I do that, which we all know, it's not about the product. It's about the recruitment. It has nothing to do with the product.
1: Absolutely. And the first moment you buy any product or show any interest, that's you opening the door to the vampire and saying, come on in.
2: Right. And so I said, I'll buy product. And what happened was, well, if you're going to buy product, you might as well sign up as a distributor because you're going to get this and you're going to get that. And he said, and also the best thing about Kayani is how most MLMs you need multiple legs or people under you downline. You only need two on this. You only need two legs. And he said, I know somebody who will be under you. So we'll find someone else to put under you. You won't even have to do anything basically.
1: Which, right. Well, here's the fallacy in that, right? Because MLMs have such high turnover, and like such low retention, those two legs, you're, they're not, it's not like one and done. It's not like you get them and they stay forever. You then have to constantly every single month convince these people to stay say, Oh, it's so great. Did you get your two people? And then convince those people to convince those people to stay and to convince those people to get two more people. And anytime someone leaves, you have to replace them because there's a brick missing in your pyramid and you have to put it back. And so this, it, you just have to get two people. I see it all the time. I see it with like Q Sciences. I see it with like Elamir. I see it with all these like, oh, it's a binary and You just need two people. And I was like, yeah, the first month. And then that one person goes, I don't really like this. I'm leaving. Now you need another person. Now you no longer have two people. Now you need to get somebody else. That is the endless chain of a pyramid scheme.
2: Right. And as we know, it's mathematically impossible for two people to get two people to two people to two people, you're going to run out of people. Like, and I never really put that together until listening to your podcast. And then I was like, light bulb moment. That's so true. That is so true. It's, it's numbers. Numbers don't lie.
1: Yeah. And then they use this like ridiculous thing. Like, well, it's just two people who doesn't know two people who doesn't have two people, two friends to introduce this to. What do you mean? You don't know two people. That's the easiest thing ever. You
2: don't have two people that you could call and they would help you move tomorrow. Of course you do. You know, like it's it's that type of thing, and so that's how I got I got into it. And there was a starter pack for one ninety nine, and it was a month worth of product, and the auto ship, which they have it's like Kayani Prime, right, so that you don't have to pay for shipping and you get it in two to three days. And it I cannot I tried looking back on stuff to see how much it was, and I couldn't find it anywhere, but I swear it was like fifty or a hundred dollars a month for the Prime. It was expensive like expensive. And I remember being like, do I have to do that? And I, I did. And I wanted to do that one ninety nine package. And then it was, well, you know, that this one's you'll get more bang for your buck if you do this one. And I was like, well, I am nothing but a bargain shopper. So I need to do that. You know, of course I need to get more for less, you know, absolutely. That's
1: 100% built into it. That's built into it. Right. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times those those really good deals, they're introductory deals or they're limited deals. It's just this weekend. It's just for Labor Day. It's just for Christmas. It's just for the first 48 hours that you sign up and you might as well, this is the best package you'll ever get. This is the best deal. I wish I could sign up again and get that big package. Mm -hmm. I wish I would have. And you get that, right? And everybody is saying this and I know like you're laughing and there's people listening laughing too, because it's true they convince you to get the bigger one. You're like, yes. And what does that do? It just increases the sunk cost fallacy. You are now just deeper in sooner. That's all.
2: Yep. And so I said, of course I'll do that. And it was 599. And by the end of me signing up, I had spent $800 when I was planning on spending 200, $800 oh to God. sign up. And I, and when I did it, I, I asked So me and my husband have a relationship where I'm not like, let me go ask my husband. And he doesn't have the relationship where he's like, let me go ask my wife. But I'm like, I just have a feeling like I need to bring this up to him because that's a big chunk of money. You know, I I should probably say something. And I asked him about it and he was like, well, if you're going to do it, do it. And I could tell he was hesitant, but he didn't say what he wanted to say. And I love him because he's very like, do what makes you happy, you know, but. I, he knew from the beginning and I could kind of tell, and I wish I would have kind of followed that a little bit more, but I didn't. And so I signed up with that, ended up getting my product. And I told my husband, well, there's a lot of products. So you take it with me. Let's see how it is. He's super into fat burners. Like just the ones that you can get at like, um, good earth and stuff. Just like the ones that give you energy. My husband loves those. And so I was like, these are going to be great. Like, you're going to love this. Look at all the stuff we just got. And he tried it for like a week and he fought out said, these suck. These don't do anything and they're gross. And I was like, oh, just give it time. Just look, it needs to work. It needs to work in your body. And then I'm like, I'm talking like it's an antidepressant and it's going to take a month for it to start working. Like these energy supplements, you should feel right away. Like I felt like, but and also the nitro stuff, the drops gave me the worst acid reflux. Like as soon as I would like take them, it was like instant acid reflux. It was so bad. But, uh, so I end up doing that and Kayani has, it's called like a tower hour is what it is. And they have it at someone's house and they want you to bring somebody who might be interested so you can plant that seed. And they did them all the time. Like they did multiple ones a week. Like every night there was one going on it was always, hey, are you going to come to the power hour or are you going to come to the PBR or always? And I always like made up an excuse because I, and I said this from the jump to my coworker, I do not want to be an annoying MLM person. I don't want to be that person. I'm not going to cold message people. I'm not going to do that. That's just not me. And he's like, well, that's a great thing about Kiyani is They don't want you to, they don't want you to put their name out there like other ones. They don't want you to be you know, annoying and all this stuff.
1: Wow. He's taken the secrecy of like people hiding their MLM as like, Hey, they they don't even want you to focus on that because it's Mm -hmm. not
2: about that. It's (laughs) not. No, it's not. And another big selling point to it was, is, you know, a lot of people haven't heard about Kayani. Most people, when you talk about MLMs, if you bring up Kayani, they're not going to go, Oh, what is that? So don't, don't say that. Don't say that. Like, don't even say it. And if they ask if it's an MLM, just say, I really want you to look into this opportunity with me. I want you like anything that they say, you misdirect it. You don't, don't
1: bring it up. How? At, at what point are people going, this is a red flag. Like you're teaching me to avoid the red flags. You're teaching me to literally deceive people and to redirect their questions. <sighs> Wow. I mean, that's just like political rhetoric, too, right? Like answering a question without actually answering it.
2: Yes, it, it totally is. And that, and I started seeing that the day after I signed up. I had buyer's remorse within 12 hours. Like it was so bad. And so I, I like, obviously no one's like who's left an MLM is like, I was in an MLM and is so happy to tell people. But I have not told like hardly anybody. This is almost like my coming out because I've been so embarrassed about it, you know? And so I, I ended up going to a PDR or power hour. I go in and there was only two people that had been brought to it to sign up. And it was, uh, there was a ton of people in Kayani. There are probably like 10 people who were in Kayani, but two new recruitments coming in. And I go in and they're like, oh, Hayden, we're so happy you're here, blah, blah, blah. And it was before the people showed up who are going to be a part of it. And so I go to the, the meeting and I walk in and they are so happy to see me I go, so how does this work? Like, what do we do? And they say, oh, we show a slideshow and just explain the products. And then at the end, we just mingle or whatever. They hand me the remote. And I was like, what kind of remote is this? Like, it was like, not like a TV remote. It was like a one that you would like control a slideshow with. And I was like, yeah, are you going to do the slideshow? Yes. They said, you're going to do it. And I was like, I don't know what to say. I don't even really know the products. And they're like, just read off the screen. And they put me on the spot so fast that I understand some, everybody learns differently. I don't learn by being thrown on the spot, and being embarrassed that immediately turns me off. And I, I don't want to do that. I go through the sideshow and I'm like shaking the whole time because I, I have a hard time reading in front of a crowd already as most people do. And I don't know these products. I don't know what I'm supposed to say. So I don't know what's coming up until I press the next button. And then I have to hurry and try to wing it. And I'm oh like, my God. yeah, it was, it was mortifying, like mortifying.
1: And uh, I mean, I'm having an anxiety attack, just thinking about being in that situation.
2: It was so bad. And then I, I just wanted to hurry and get it done with. And then after I got done with it, and I'm not just saying this to belittle myself or, you know, be funny, but like, I did terrible. I did absolutely terrible because I didn't know what the hell was going on. give me five minutes before to try to like flip through them really quick so I can act like I know after that happens I am just love bombed so much oh my gosh we can't believe how great you did you're a natural you need to come do all of these oh my gosh we're so happy you're a part of the team so much that it was like this may work for other people to be love bombed and may make them feel really good it's pissing me off it's making me mad
1: Wow, I was I was going to say, what is the point of throwing a new recruit up there with the clicker, with no preparation and no understanding of what's going to go on? And then you said, then they love bombed you, and I was like, oh, okay. So they threw you into a situation that made you uncomfortable, gave you anxiety, uh, humiliated you, in in at least your purview, right? You're like, I'm humiliated. I'm shaking. Anybody watching, paying attention, knows ninety percent of the audience are your teammates or whatever. So absolutely. I wonder what those two recruits were thinking. Like, who is this girl and why is this the person that's doing this presentation? Like that already to me seems like not great. You know, there's two recruits in there. Wouldn't you want the best person to to present this, but that's psychological manipulation. As soon as you said that, I was like, Oh, there, there's the answer to the question I was about to ask. Wow. That is terrifying.
2: Right. They bring you to what feels like one of your lowest to be able to bring you up and say, look at how this makes you feel though. You feel so great being a part of this and you feel so strong and so accomplished and just, it's so manipulative. It was, it was an experience. When I signed up, I was instantly added into like 15 Facebook groups, so much information. It's like They say, you're not alone in this. Like every MLM, you're not alone in this. We're going to teach you. This is the best thing about it is you have so many mentors. Nope. You are thrown into it. Figure this out. Good luck. And there's so much information that it's overwhelming that you're like, where can I just see what the products are? You know, like where can I, where's the simplified information? And I unfollowed a lot of those. And for some reason I'm still in one and I didn't know it. And I found this uh, thing and it talks about PBR culture and what you're supposed to do. And one of the things on it are, you know, bring your own samples, dress business casual, have products on display, have upbeat music because, you know, we got to get that drive in.
1: Yeah, it's got to um, be a troll party.
2: Yeah. And then uh, presentation be done, should be done in 45 minutes or less. Introduce guests to leaders only.
1: Don't wow. ask questions
2: what? after the meeting until all the guests have left and the leaders are going to close guests if a leader is closing your guests, do not interrupt or jump during what you may think is an awkward silence. Make sure to put your leaders and three-way messages immediately after your PBR. Wow. I, and I worked at a car dealership for a few years and it is like the same exact type of sell. Like actually the MLM ones are way worse than the dealership ones which most people thinking about something that is super high pressure selling is going to a car dealership you're like "Uh -uh, i don't want to do that well you sure as hell don't want to go to an mlm training or get to know you group and that was something that was really hard with kiani too is it wasn't that you would tell people will you come look at this business opportunity with me it was will you go to this uh event with me i don't want to go alone wow So you completely deceive them. You don't tell them anything at all. It's so crazy. And the people who are still in Kayani, I see constantly They're messaging, hey, who wants to have a play date this Thursday? And it's like, yes, yes and red. You know, like all of these multiple ones. And then another one was, hey, we have discount tickets to this huge water park that's here in Utah. We have discount tickets for only $5 for your whole family. Only this Thursday, who wants to come? It was a Kayani event. Do you know how many people probably went to that? Like, and it makes me sad because those people, I'm sure so many people are able to say, no, but thank you. But how uncomfortable do you have to feel to be put in a position where you're so, most people, they just, they want human connection and they want a new friendship and they want, everybody wants that. So you think, oh my gosh, I am so excited to be able to meet a new friend. When in reality, it's like, eh, just kidding. Come talk to my leader.
1: It feels like a timeshare presentation, Junior.
2: A thousand percent. It's like the South Park episode where they're doing the timeshare. It really is. It's so crazy. Oh my
1: God. It's just, I mean, it's so wild to hear stories like this, to see it, just to, to be able to compare it to all the other scammy things that every single person like just hates, like like having to deal with car dealerships and Scammy salespeople, or you know, like just dishonest people in general. Um, and and this experience, right? So you you go through this entire experience. You're in these trainings. At at what point in your two months were you like, okay, this is the last straw. Like, I'm not doing this one more month longer.
2: I think after that, I just I remember driving home and being like, I don't want to feel like that again, and I don't want to recruit somebody and make them feel that way i don't want anybody i know to have to feel this way and then it was just always like you were kind of in trouble you were in trouble but they loved you it was like a very weird thing so they would do these um it was called road to diamond and what it was was a training or uh just team building exercise that wasn't put on even really by Kayani. it was just the higher ups like whoever was high up in your um your upline, and they would have you read the GoPro book, which (laughs) it's so bad. It's so bad. And everyone was like, it was so good. i read it multiple times. And I was like, how? So they have you read this book and then you do, you do a book report every week. You read a certain amount of chapters of it and then you do a book report and you send that book report in to the person who's above you in your upline and they grade it. And if you didn't get it right, you're out, you're gone. You don't get your money back because you have to pay to be in it. And then once you're done with that road to diamond group, you can go up to the next one. So it's almost like, it's like a book report pyramid scheme almost. Cause you're paying money to do it and you want to get up higher in it, but you're not, it's not putting you in a different rank. You're not getting any, right. Like QR or whatever it is points. Like you're just doing this just to look good, to make face to the other people and the, the higher ups in the MLM to show that you're serious. You're taking this business opportunity serious. Wow. And I signed up for it because it was right when I just signed up. And that was kind of something that it kind of made me feel like I was, I had to do it. I didn't know it was optional and it was so stressful. It was so stressful. Like I felt like I was taking an online college course and I was being graded constantly about it. And I, it was so much. And I just felt like I was always in trouble. With it always. And it wasn't a good feeling. And I realized that the products weren't doing anything. They were gross. They were grossly expensive. That just the whole culture of it, it just, I was like, this isn't for me. Like, I don't know what I'm doing. I I can't do this. And then I never said, I'm done. I just really pushed myself away, pushed myself away, pushed myself away gradually. And then finally, I got asked if I was going to go attend one of the events, the conferences in Vegas. And I just said, I don't have the time for that. And it's really not something I'm interested in anymore. And that was it. And my coworker who I signed up under, I still talk to him and I love him. But every time I do, Kayani gets brought up and that he's doing really great. And he got a car with it and, you know, all this stuff, which I would love to be able to say, I hope it works for him and his family, but we all know it's not going to. And that's what makes me really sad. And from my infertility journey, I am not one to give unsolicited advice. So I will not advise him to do anything different unless if he wanted to ask me about how I feel about it, I will I will be open and honest, but I'm not going to go out of my way to say, dude, you're in a cult, you're in a pyramid scheme, they're out to hurt you. And the thing is, is they just try to make it seem like it's completely different than any MLM. It's not an MLM, it's totally different. But as we know, if it, looks like a duck and it quacks like a duck it's a duck like (laughs) I don't know what else to say it's it's so it's so frustrating and it makes me like I said before I used to get really and I still do I'll get fired up about certain mostly it's like the higher-ups in Monet who I see their posts and I'm like god and it infuriates me most of the MLM posts I see now they bring me down they make me really sad because I just Like we said earlier, it's not the people, it's the MLM. That's what is so sad is who doesn't want to have an early retirement and financial stability and all of these great things for them and their family and just everything that they promise, who wouldn't want that, you know? And it's hard because um, it's easy for people to say, who in the hell could fall into this? Who could do this? Like, how do you not know? And it's really, once you're in it, and even though I wasn't, I feel like I was never fully in it. I wasn't really believing. I always had it in the back of my mind, but seeing everyone else in it and how much they believed it and how just they gave it, they're giving it their all. It just, it's heartbreaking. It really is. It makes me really sad.
1: Yeah. You know, I, I think what you said about seeing the posts and, and feeling differently about them, you know, in the beginning, I was always angry, like they're lying, they're lying. And, and, and the more that I've learned about the compassion side and the empathy and, and to view these as commercial colds and high demand groups, and that these, these people are victims, perpetrators too, but victims And to be in that mindset, when I read these posts going, this woman's trapped in a cult that's taking all of her money and all of her sanity. And you read it from that perspective. And it really does. It really does elicit a completely different feeling where you're like, wow, like I feel so bad. You know, it's the same thing where you see people, it'd be like if someone was on your feed talking about how great Scientology was or something like that. And you're just like, oh, oh, okay. That's so
2: sad. Yep. If you don't know any better, you don't know any better. It's the same exact thing as if you're born into a cult or you go into one or whatever the case is. That's your normal and you just think that's okay. And it's so, it's, I could, I can see how it would be intoxicating to be love bombed and feel a part of a community and that you're a part of this movement. And, you know, nobody knows that this is the new business way and this is the new way to life and it's intoxicating. And so you, you buy into it and you give it your all. And then just to find out later that, they don't care about you, you. And it's not even that you, all that you are is a number. That's all that you are, you're a number. But also if you're not, if that number is not producing enough numbers, you're in trouble. It's always, you're your own boss. This is the best business because you're your own boss. I never felt like I had more bosses when I was in that MLM for two months than I have in my entire life. I had it coming from every direction, every direction, constantly. Also, when I signed up for Kayani, they have you write a list, which I'm sure this is pretty common in all MLMs, a hundred people, a hundred. And I was like, I feel like I went to high school at two different high schools. I went to cosmetology school. I've had different jobs. I don't know a hundred people. Like it was so hard for me to do that. So I started writing down people's names. I didn't know because I'm like, I have to do this. I don't know what to do. And then instantly go through the list every single person on there you make a connection with and that's the thing is they don't want you to go out and say try this magical blueberry juice they want you to message them and say how are your kids how's work been remember that one time we went on that vacation we should go again it was all about making connections and that's the hardest thing that i had is i definitely don't like confrontation but I am not going to be fake. If I don't like somebody, I'm not going to, I don't care how you are. Cause I don't really like you. And that's fine. Cause I know people don't like me. I'm fine with that. So I'm not going to make fake connections. Cause I only want people in my life who love me and care for me for the right reasons and vice versa. I only want to do that for the right reasons for people. And knowing that you're being used Like, everybody knows that feeling, though, when you get a message on Facebook or Instagram of, hey, girl, how have you been long time? No talk. They're not messaging you to see how you are. It's never that. You can see through it. That's not unique.
1: Right. In fact, when I get those messages and they actually are authentic, I'm like, oh, I thought you were going to try to sell me something.
2: I seriously feel like I have... I've always been very hesitant and very suspicious of everything I feel like my whole life. I've just kind of been like on guard. But ever since this happened, I kind of don't trust anybody with stuff like that. I'm like, what do you want? Instantly. And I hate that it did that to me.
1: I've always had like this inherent mistrust of strangers and it's just amplified. It's just amplified since MLM and since being in all of these different high demand things uh, and relationships that I've had. And I'm like, yeah, no, I don't think it's like, I I think it's a justified mistrust of strangers at this point.
2: I agree. Same. It definitely is. But it, it's sad because I even, um, I had somebody who I know is in coyote message me the day after my birthday and say, Hey, how was your birthday? I hope you had a good day. And I was like, no, you don't. You don't though. Like that makes me sad because like I have friends, but I have a close group knit of friends and also Going back to the infertility thing, it's really hard to have friends when you're going through infertility, because a lot of your friends, they're at a different chapter in their lives. They have kids, they're busy, you know, and then you're just stuck here in between. It felt that you don't want to have kids, but you can't have kids. And sometimes as bad as it sounds, it's triggering to be around kids and babies when you're trying to get pregnant or pregnant people. It just, it is, it's triggering. And so it's hard to find that balance. And so when you're looking for a connection with somebody to relate to, that's what really does scare me a lot about the whole fertility clinic, putting Kayani stuff on our website is I just thought, as soon as I saw that, I cannot even imagine, I can hear the pitches in my head already because what, how I was talking about the Facebook groups, they had like these files on Facebook that you could click on and it would be, well, does your friend, are they really into charity? If they are into charity, pitch the potato pack. Are they really into uh, retiring early? We'll pitch them this idea. And it was like a play-by-play. It was like paint by numbers. And there's one right here too I forgot to mention. It's a product testimonial and it has fill in the blanks. It says, hello, my name is blank. I suffered from blank for blank years. My friend introduced me to the triangle of health. I have been faithfully taking the products for blank time." The improvements I have noticed are blank. And then you're supposed to say, I'm not saying this is a cure for anything, but it sure helps your body when you're putting the right things in it.
1: Oh my fucking God. Yeah.
2: You know how easy you could put, I've suffered from infertility, endometriosis, PCOS, all of these things that guess what? As frustrated as I am, and I would love to say there's no cure. There's no cure for these there's treatment there's no cure
1: hey ftc are you listening because i'm pretty sure that exact thing that hayden just read goes completely against the dsa code of ethics in which kayani is a member i believe so can we sort of investigate that real quick thanks
2: thank you <laughs> oh it's it's really frustrating and i i like i said i kind of blocked all of the kayani stuff out because it was a short period of my life, right? But I've always been interested in MLMs and stuff. Like I like I said, I listen to your podcast every week. I'm into it. I, I, it's a niche for me. I like it, you know? But after seeing that and then remembering having these like black holes in my memory come back to surface, I'm like, oh my God, I really cannot believe it. And it's it's sad. It really is.
1: It's like the best slash worst slash best again. Those realizations when you see those things and yes. you're like, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: It's a yo-yo. You're just like flipping.
1: Wow. I, I mean, it's just, uh, I, I could just imagine even with two months in really what you went through, the the feelings of humiliation, the feelings of anxiety, the feelings of like being completely unprepared, being thrown to the wolves to only be brought back up and gaslit and, and love bombed by the people that threw you to them. And all of these feelings coming back up when you are on that fertility website and you click it and you're like, does that say nitro?
2: Like I seriously, I was like, okay, the night before I found this, I took a Benadryl because I've had such bad allergies. And I thought, oh, I'm having a Benadryl dream. This isn't real. This isn't real. And then I'm like, oh no, this is this is real. This is happening. Like I really could not believe it. It was a full circle moment that I did not want to happen.
1: Wow. I mean, and it's it's crazy, right? Because there's so many of these things, like you said, there are these black holes in our memory. I have blocked out so many things that this show and talking to people like you, like cracks open that egg. They're like, hey, remember this memory? I'm like, no, you know what I mean? It happens so often. And I'm like, I can't believe I blocked this out, but it's true. It's it just, ah. Uh, and I know that there are people listening that also have those moments when we have episodes like this. And I just, I couldn't even imagine, I think it would be the same as me, like 10 years from now, being, going through something and, and looking to see what one of the solutions is. And they're like, you could sell LuLaRoe. And I'm like,
2: what? It's like, you have like flashbacks and like, you're, you're just like pause and you're like, wait, what? And then you're also like, that is not the answer though. <laughs> like that no. is definitely not the answer. I've already tried it. <laughs> Also, I forgot to mention too. So, I started in February of 2020. So, it was right before COVID, like w- when it was kind of being talked about, but no one really knew. And it was like, is it, are we going to be okay? Are we not? You know, we're not. It's going to be a long time. Sorry to ruin the story for you. But it, so that was going on in February 2020. And I remember getting an email or a text message from the higher ups and them being like, guys, we can't say anymore that this is going to help cure COVID. We have to stop saying that. We have to stop saying that. All we can say is it helps boost your immunity. Don't say that it, quit saying it cures COVID. And I was like, who's saying that this cures COVID? It's nothing. It's nothing. It's magic blueberries
1: and fish oil.
2: I saw this thing on, I think it was Reddit when I was reading the other night. And it said, if... Kayani is so great. Their magical blueberry juice is so great. Why aren't they sending that overseas instead of the potato packs? Boom. I was like, oh, why didn't I think of that? So true. So If
1: Kayani is complete whole nutrition that you would never need, why are we sending third world countries instant mashed potatoes (laughs) when we could be sending them complete whole nutrition that everybody needs? You know, I would be really surprised to see the nutritional information on the Kayani stuff, plus, you know, to see it on the potato packs and to see what really is more nutrient dense and what really is like the better product. And I bet you it's the potatoes.
2: That's a good thing to look into.
1: Well, yeah. thank you. Thank you for sharing that. I mean, yes. what a disgusting, horrific story. Um, And, and, and it was lovely for you to tell us because geez, man, I couldn't even just ah. This is going to open up a whole new thing about infertility. So I'm going to throw out a call to action here. If any of you out there experience something similar like this in a different MLM, and you want to talk about something that maybe we didn't talk about because we need to educate about this. We really need to protect anybody that could be vulnerable to these scams. Like hit me up, please, because I would love to do more episodes and to dive deeper into this. And. Even right now, I know a couple people that um, would love to come on the show as an expert and talk about PCOS and a couple of different things. So I, the wheels in my head are turning right now too, y'all. But Hayden, are you ready to do some rapid fire questions?
2: I am. I'm so ready.
1: What is one word that encompasses how you feel about MLM?
2: Oh, uh, I think manipulative. That's usually the first thing that comes to my mind is manipulative.
1: What is a warning to somebody who is on the fence and wants to join an MLM?
2: I would say, and this maybe doesn't even go just for MLMs, but do your research. Even if you're thinking about joining an MLM or you're like me and you're looking to seek some type of treatment or start whatever it is that you're doing, research that company and see if they're affiliated anyway with an MLM. Just research stuff just to know what you're getting into for sure i would say for an mlm for anything else just do your research and also if you're going to do an mlm look at the income disclosure statement because that is something that i never even knew existed and one of my friends went to join an mlm and i told her to do that immediately so that's something i would recommend
1: what is the worst mlm in your opinion
2: oh this one's so hard um I think any health or wellness one, I'm just gonna kind of group it as that because it's really hard for me to name one in particular. But yeah, I think beach body, any anything like that, um, any health or wellness that claims to be that, it really it just it makes me really sad because um no food is good, no food is bad, and your body size doesn't equal health. And I just I hope that everyone can realize that you're, if you want to be healthy, then you can be healthy, but you don't need to be healthy by restricting yourself and buying into something and just all of that. So yeah, short answer, any health or wellness, air quotes, MLM. I'm going to go with that.
1: I completely agree with you too. They are just (laughs) disgusting. The more I learn, (laughs) the more I hate them. What is the hardest lesson that you learned while you were in MLM?
2: I think... Just going back to when people reach out to you and it's not sincere, just knowing that um, not every connection is sincere, I guess. And that's hard because all of my connections are sincere. And so when other people don't have that same motive, it's hurtful and it, it hurts my feelings. I know I'm, I can be sensitive, but it does. It just, yeah, that would be mine.
1: I'm, I'm the same way. Uh, And then finally, a positive takeaway from your time in MLM.
2: I think, and this is kind of the, the compass of my life, but follow your gut, just listen to that voice in your head for sure. And I, am sure that maybe a lot of people who have joined MLMs wholeheartedly thought it was the best for them. And I mean, that, that would even be kind of a harder, um, realization to have that crashing down. But for me, I had that voice in my head the whole time. And I didn't listen to it. And I thought, well, this is different. But once again, if it looks like a duck and quacks like a duck. It's a duck. So yeah, just listen to that, like listening to that voice in my head, for sure.
1: I, I just, that, it's the same. It's like, the more that I see these, the more that I learn, the more it, I can call it. I can call these. I can figure it out. Like, and you're right. It's a duck it's absolutely a duck. It will always be a duck. No matter what you call it, it will always be the same. And no matter how you change the words, we will always be there to educate the masses about what you're doing because MLMs are scams and they're cults and they're not okay. Uh, Hayden, thank you so much for coming on the show and for sharing your story and your journey through infertility and how disgusting Kiani is because just, <laughs> thanks for letting us talk about them again. Cause it's been a while and they were definitely due.
2: Yes, they were. Thank you for having me. I appreciate your time.
1: Thank you so much for listening to Life After MLM. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and share. And follow us on social media at Life After MLM Podcast and my advocacy at The Real Roberta Blevins. You can find all of the links to the social accounts in our show notes. And if you just listened to that incredible story and you thought, oh my God. I have a story just like that, that needs to be told. Hit me up. The real Roberta at gmail.com. I would love to have you on the show to share your story and start your journey in life after MLM. See you next time, Hans. <laughs>